BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. I love the start of the NBA season because there's always a game to watch. And on your smartphone, you can always have access to the latest scores and highlights or my tweets at Nate Token NBA for that matter. Switch to Net10 Wireless now and you can get double data for life on unlimited plans starting as low as $35. Visit net10wireless.com. That's N-E-T-1-0, the number 10, net10wireless.com to reference terms and restrictions of service and get more information on double data for life. It's a game changer. Ah, one of my favorite episodes of the year, one of Ethan Sherrod-Strauss's favorite episodes of the year. Is it time to panic? We're going to go through the teams that have disappointed so far, see whether this is a 10-game blip or whether there's more reason to be concerned. And we will, We have to. you have to help me remember to do this, Danny, actually a sign a rating to each team one through ten of how high the panic meter should be we're sponsored today by tracker the tracker pixel you never worry about losing your things again go to the tracker.com slash cap space for 20 percent off okay who are you most excited to just hit the alarm bells on here, Danny? Well, this isn't exactly the the greatest crop of time to panic, which is, you know, uh, some of that is also with Cleveland shifting. But let's start with Cleveland anyway, even though they had a, a, a win over Milwaukee last night. Cleveland, I, I think that there are two different ways to talk about this. One is regular season panic. And for me, that's really low. That's like a two. I don't, I don't worry. You know, the real concern there is if they don't make the playoffs or get into a really unfavorable matchup, if they just don't put their foot on the gas pedal. But I think if for those who were expecting or hoping th- for the Cavs to be a title winner this year, I think that it absolutely is time to panic. Yeah, with some of the fundamentals on the Cleveland Cavaliers, as of this recording, which is uh, during the afternoon before tonight's games, the 25th net rating in the NBA, negative 5.8. They are dead last, the blurst of defenses, 30th in the NBA, but they are up to third in offense now. And that's where I had really had more of a concern for them was if they were really going to struggle to score. And I think they're figuring out some things now. Uh, J.R. Smith is getting back on track to some degree. They're using Kevin Love more as a traditional big man lately against some of these height challenged Eastern Conference teams. And LeBron obviously is fantastic. And they don't have Isaiah Thomas back either. So I think offensively they're going to get there the question is whether they can turn their defense up enough before the season the hope had been that Jay Crowder could really help them Crowder for whatever reason speculation is that maybe you know he wasn't able to train as hard this offseason he's kind of getting back into shape uh, after the passing of his mother so 
Jeff Green is playing really more than he should be. Derek Rose has not helped them a ton. Wade has looked uh, better these last couple of games, but still was never a great fit there. So yeah, I think it is. I don't think it's time to panic because would anybody not have them as the title favorites in the Eastern Conference at this moment? I mean, I'm sure people in Boston would feel differently, but in terms of impartial observers, I think Cleveland is still the clear favorite and they have so much more room to grow just by fitting everybody in and because they're injured players are more likely to come back than Gordon Hayward. So yeah, I would say if that's your goal, if your goal is to make the NBA finals, then no, they shouldn't, people shouldn't be panicking at all because they're very well positioned for that, assuming they stay healthy. And the, but the concern yeah. for me defensively, like, so you talked about the idea, yeah, they're, you know, they're third in offense and it's not only against the Warriors, it's also theoretically, even if the Warriors fell, I think these same problems would be there against Houston. And, you know, maybe some of the other teams, the Spurs, I think would be a little bit easier for them to stop just because the, diff- the difference and the threats. But, you know, if, if you were somebody who expected that, you and I both thought that Cleveland, you know, that their title odds were going to be were going to be worse this year just because of the way the way that aging and a lot of other things go. But you have to defend because the Warriors have a good offense too. You it, you cannot score them maybe for a game or two in a series. Like I could see it going six, but winning would be tough. Yeah, and part of it, as we have mentioned about their defense, is that teams are shooting 43% on three-pointers. The Bucks were 13 out of 30 last night. They're 24th in number of three-pointers given up and 27th in number of corner threes given up. So that's really bad fundamentals, but they can get a little bit better just as teams regress to the mean a little bit with their three-point shooting. And yeah, they also are pretty miserable in transition. They're 29th in the NBA, allowing opponents to run on 18.2% of their defensive possessions. That's really going to hurt you as well. Presumably they can get a little better with that, maybe not that much with Rose, Wade, LeBron, is a great transition defender when he decides to run but doesn't always decide to run love is pretty slow getting back and getting Tristan Thompson back will probably help them a little bit we'll see whether they go with love and Thompson together that's probably a better defensive unit as well so they're going to get better defensively I just agree with you that it's maybe not time to panic just because the offense is looking better now if their offense struggles then yeah I'm worried uh and nobody thought they're going to beat the Warriors anyway if you really felt like hey there's some hope they could beat Golden State this year but uh, I don't think anyone necessarily necessarily had that so if we're still saying that Cleveland is probably going to fulfill the expectations we had for them at the start of the year you know yeah they've looked horrendous on offense the fit hasn't been great uh but you know I'd say the panic meter is like a three out of ten what what would you assign it three is where I would have it as well where do you want to go next I would like to go to a read I've moved into this new place now and I'm in that mode where I just don't know where everything is. We unpacked everything. I forgot. I have to look in like five different places to find anything. But fortunately with my keys, that's not an issue because I have the tracker pixel. With the tracker pixel, you never have to worry about losing anything that's attached to. Again, they changed everything eight years ago when they released their first tracking device. And now they've done it again with this new tracker pixel, which is the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. You don't really even notice it on your keys when they're in your pocket. You can put it on your keys, your wallet, your cat. Our cats are indoors, so we don't have to do that for them. And if you misplace an item that has a tracker pixel attached, use your smartphone and a 90 decibel alert will help you find it in seconds. It has powerful LED lights, so you can find things in the dark as well. It can also help you find your phone, even if your phone is on silent through the app. You can, as long as you have the tracker pixel, you can activate your phone if you can't find that. Better yet, every tracker user is part of the largest crowd locate network in the world, so you can locate items for miles away 
rate. And thanks to their 30-day money-back guarantee, you truly have nothing to lose. If it's not what you're hoping it would be, you can get your money back within 30 days. So go to the tracker T-R-A-C-K-R dot com slash Catspace. That's T-R-A-C-K-R dot com slash Catspace. The tracker T-R-A-C-K-R dot com slash Catspace to get 20% off any order. That's the tracker T-H-E-T-R-A-C-K-R dot com slash Catspace. They'll get you 20% off any order and let them know that you came from us. Okay, who are we going to next, Danny? Let's do the Denver Nuggets. So the Nuggets, we had this idea of what having Millsap would bring is that they would have, still have a very good offense, maybe not as ridiculous as it was for the second half of last year, but that their defense would be brought up. They're right now, according to clearing, Cleaning the Glasses stats, they're actually 17th in offense and 17th in defense. I am optimistic that they will be better than they are right now, but better than they are right now and where we hoped they would be are not the same thing. Well, so in terms of record, they're now six and five. I had them winning 47 games, so they're not that far off of of that pace. And you mentioned that they are 17th in offense. I think actually, if I had to pick anything, that their 17th in defense would be more encouraging to me. In terms of their offense, what's different from last year? Their offensive rebounding is down a little bit. They were second last year. Part of that, I think, is they're just not playing Farid as much. Uh, so I, I wouldn't expect that to improve all that much. And then they're not getting to the foul line as much either. And I think that's partially due to the fact that the offensive rebounding is down because those plays can result in getting to the foul line. Well, and not having Gallinari. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great point, too, that he was someone who could get to the foul line pretty well. In terms of their shooting, a concern that they are taking a lot fewer three-pointers than last year. They are 20th in the NBA this year. Uh, They were ninth last year, although they're only taking 1% fewer of their shots as three-pointers. It's just that the rest of the league is taking so many more three-pointers. And they also are not taking that many shots at the rim. And they're taking 42% of their shots from mid-range, although a large percentage of those are from floater range. And Nikola Jokic is one of the few guys who actually really can hit from floater range pretty well. So I'm not ready to get incredibly concerned yet about their offense and they're right about even now in three-point shooting pretty much where they were last year but that will be something to watch on the fundamentals because they're not taking that many threes and they're not taking that many shots at the rim and they were third in shots at the rim last year and now they're 28th so interesting to dig into maybe a little bit more of why that might be maybe they don't they miss the spacing that Gallo provided maybe Paul Millsap is gumming things up a little bit more maybe they're just gonna continue to figure it out we'll see what what the answer to that is but I I do have faith that their offense can improve they have a lot of really good guys at least Jamal Murray has looked a little bit better I would have been panicking a lot more about them a week ago uh, but Murray has had some okay games they're getting a really nice season out of Will Barton Nikola Jokic had 40 last night against the the Nets uh, porous shall we say interior defense so I actually wouldn't have them on this list I mean they're over 500 and yeah the offense hasn't looked great but I think more encouraging is the fact that they've been able to be solid on defense and nothing particularly stands out defensively about what they're doing and in fact they're doing a great job of taking away the three-pointer although they are giving up a lot of shots at the rim but uh you know even with that they're still mid-pack on defense the other element that i think is a little bit concerning and it's not really about their play you brought up the shots at the rim that was something i was going to talk about but the 
bottom of the West, it's not necessarily stronger than we expected in terms of the playoff picture, but it is deeper. And so when you add teams like Memphis having a good start, New Orleans has been competitive to start the year. We'll see what happens with Utah and the Clippers who have had some good moments and some bad moments is just that that increases the the variability because then if a couple of teams get hot, then maybe you have to, it's tougher to get a good seed or to get in depending on that. And so it's, a, it's worth watching. And I think that's vaguely true in the East as well. But Denver, I think they're looking like a team that's rounding into form, especially if Jamal Murray can build off of more what he did around a week ago. The last couple of games have been a little bit shakier, but those have been some anomalous games like the Warriors one. And, you know, that Brooklyn game was just, it was just a kind of a weird one with Brooklyn on a back-to-back and they didn't need him to score because Nikola Jokic was doing a ton of it. Yeah, well, I think the Nuggets will be in good shape because uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder are currently not on pace to make the playoffs. Yeah, and one of the just amazing disparities last year, part of part of why Russell Westbrook won MVP was they were 26 and 16 in clutch situations, had a positive 20 basically net rating. This year, 0 for 5, negative 58.8 net rating, 165 defensive rating. And now those numbers are going to calm down. They're going to they're going to regress to the mean, yeah. obviously. I mean, I mean Andrew Andrew Wiggins hitting a three off the glass yeah. from 39 feet is probably like a, a big part of that. That, you know it is but you know they also have anecdotally last year a lot of their clutch situations were against bad teams they were in games when they were coming back like again that game against the magic and a few other ones and some of theirs this year you know was the, the game to the against the blazers recently they're against better teams and so that will also hurt their net rating but you expected that to come back i think the bigger concerns are just with the offense because their defense has been fine yeah also worth noting that they are actually third in the nba in differential right now and have already won three points four fewer games than expected their clutch struggles a big part of that also a big part of that are a couple of blowouts against bad teams the defense too when they just completely housed the bulls and held them to like 73 points or something like that but they have the second ranked defense right now forcing a, a ton of turnovers which with the length on this team is not a surprise but and there's nothing really that sticks out in their defense as of this moment as being totally unsustainable one of the things they've been excellent at is stopping other teams when they get shots at the rim with all this length with Steven Adams that's something that this squad has been good at for a while and Jeremy Grant Robertson Paul George like Carmelo has had some pretty bad moments at times in help defense especially in that uh, Portland game but overall I think their D is going to be solid there is a concern that maybe Melo just doesn't have it anymore there's a concern that those three guys are not being used that well that Russell Westbrook was so aggressive last year and that he was able to drive an efficient offense and that he's kind of slowing it down for two guys who aren't as good as him offensively that that's an issue but I think they'll also start hitting shots a little bit more they are actually fifth in percentage of three-pointers that they're taking which is a massive increase from last year so I, I like that they're only taking 31 percent of their shots from mid-range which is good as well one thing that you noted is they're not getting to the free throw line at all which is a little weird they have guys that you think would be good at it but yeah they're 16.3 free throw rate is 27th in the league and last year they were 11th and some of that I think you could shift based on personnel Ennis Canner got to the line pretty well last year and they also don't have a backup center which is another way that you can get get to the line and they just they're using Patrick Patterson Patrick Patterson is not going to get the line very much but even guys like you know Russ and Paul (laughs) George he's one of like Patterson is like one of the lowest free throw rate players like in NBA history at this point so so that is a big disparity but that's not 
not enough to go from 11th to 7th to 27th. And that can be a, a foundational part of their offense, especially it's good that they're taking a lot of threes, but the success rate of those will definitely wax and wane both in the regular season and in the playoffs. Uh, so what is your panic meter rating for these guys? I got four. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the differential being good helps. My only concern is just that maybe maybe their stars just aren't going to play that well, you know, because that's been the big reason why maybe they haven't fulfilled expectations so far is just, you know, those three guys haven't been that great offensively. And for all that you can talk about them being great players and the fact that at least two of the three are solid spot up options, the fact that number one, this Thunder organization doesn't really have a track record of getting guys to move the ball and get guys involved and to run complex offense that really flows from action to action in a natural way. And number two, that really none of these players have much of a track record of being much above the league average in efficiency. And so you would hope that these guys create a lot of shots, but they're going to be taking easier shots. They'll help each other all get easier shots. But some guys just can create a lot of shots, but just can't get above a certain level in terms of efficiency. And Westbrook may be one of those guys, for example. Uh, So maybe they just, uh, this will be less than the sum of its parts offensively. But still, the fact that they're taking as many threes as they are makes me think that it's going to come around. Yeah, I'm hopeful. So are you around a four as well? Yeah, I think so. Uh, And I mean, what what would you think, what's a disappointing result from these guys? Probably uh, not being a top four seed uh, would would be and not getting to the second round. Yeah, I would Uh, say, I mean, I I would say both. Those would be the two lines. Or or even a non-competitive second round loss as well, I think would be a pretty big disappointment these guys. Yeah, especially considering we don't know how long they're going to be together. Well, and, and maybe the panic meter needs to be a little bit higher just because of Paul George potentially leaving. And if they don't fulfill expectations this year, this all just means so much more. I mean, really, with all the reporting about George preferring to go to LA, you'd have to think that they really would have to get into the conference finals and even not get trucked in the conference finals for Paul George to be considered a favorite to stay there. I would agree with that, especially if it doesn't look like he's, you know, having not necessarily having the best time, but that he's not fully being integrated in the offense. And I, I would say to a point, he's been a little bit marginalized. I don't think it's egregious at this point. I think Russ has actually been taming himself a little bit to make those guys happy. So here's one that you didn't have on your initial list, but I wanted to talk about is the Washington Wizards. Now at 500, they've had a couple of really bad losses at home. They lost the Lakers on the road. They got beat up pretty badly by Cleveland in which LeBron scored those 57 points. And is this team one that has aspirations of being you know, a conference finalist this year? Do they look like a conference finalist to you so far? Not most of the time. They've had some nice you know, little stretches of time. Their offense, you can believe in it. Otto Porter has had some really fabulous stretches, which is an important part for this team just to have that third option. And he can be a second option for meaningful stretches of time but is he a third option though because i mean he's he's a play finisher he's still uh, i mean i'd like to see him get the ball a little bit more frankly but maybe he just isn't capable of being efficient beyond he's ultra efficient in his role but when i think of someone as an option i think of them as someone who's initiating the offense i don't know that i put him in that category necessarily that that might just be a definitional thing for me to me if you're like a third option i don't think you're generally creating too much for yourself because teams just don't usually have that many guys but yeah, if you want to say it that way. But I mean, the big issue for them is their defense. They're currently 19th on cleaning the glass, but they've had just these 
abysmal stretches in terms of transition defense. They've blown some half-court coverages. And other than, you know, like Mahimi playing better and John Wall, you know, finding the fountain of youth on that end, I don't see many real big fixes for them because the same problems is kind of like Oklahoma City's offense where there are ways that you think they could be better, but when you have the track record, you stop thinking about that as being the most likely outcome. Yeah, and the track record is that since the last two years, the last under Randy Whitman, and then this first year under Scott Brooks, and then this year under Brooks, they have not really defended, and John Wall is not the player that he once was. We know that they really struggle to match up in the half court with opposing wing players. Harrison Barnes torched them last night. We saw what LeBron did to them. They don't really have anyone who is a one-on-one level of stopper, and they don't really have traditional room protection as a big Mahimi. Of course, that sal- salary has not worked out in part maybe due to health, but also just because I think really the role that he's being asked to play, especially in the Eastern Conference, where he's a traditional center who just can't keep up with guys. You know, he needs to be out there against another traditional center, and he's not that good at handling the ball or attacking in the post. So you can play small against him um, when he comes in off the bench. So that's been part of why the, their bench struggles. But yeah, I. I I really have no faith that they can get it together defensively. I'm not sure why anyone's going to believe that that could happen. Maybe Markeith Morris's return once he rounds into shape uh, and he was he struggled again against Dallas in his second game back from that hernia surgery. Maybe he can help a little bit, but I still don't really think that uh, their defense is going to get better. And if their defense doesn't get better, they have a nice offense. They have an explosive offense with their abilities in transition, but they don't have an offense that I think is... Uh, necessarily you know really one of the absolute elite offenses in the league and so you know i just don't i see them as kind of you know a mid-40s type of win team despite the talent that they do have and the hope was they could take a step forward this year and we just have seen no signs of that happening really one thing i wanted to talk with you briefly about the wizards and this would be something probably more for our friend mike prada but defining success for this team because if they make the second round that you know that that's what they did last year they are certainly capable of that even with their misgivings but I don't know that I would walk away from the season and you know even if they lose in seven like they did last year though that was a dispiriting way to lose in seven I, I don't think that I would walk away from this feeling good and I think that's right now the most likely outcome here well certainly their goals for themselves are much higher than that now whether in fact they'll reach them and I think Ted Leonsis's goals for them now as they sit here over $5 million above the luxury tax, perhaps there will be a deal to trim that. But this is an expensive team. They got three guys on this team making max contracts right now. Uh, And another two who who are making eight figures. So granted, some of those, they were stuck into positions where they had to pay more than ideally they would have had to, but they don't have a ton of flexibility moving forward. The one draft pick that they've been able to make in the last four years is Cayubre, and he's become a rotation player, but they don't really have any other young talent in the pipeline. And so maybe Porter and Beal could get a little bit better. Maybe Wall can get a little bit better, but I'm still the upside is not quite there for this team and maybe we always thought that that would be the case so you know I don't want to say it's time to panic because if I had to pick before the start of the season I would not have picked them to make the conference finals Uh, but if you are someone who really believed in them you know I would say it's a it's a five or six I mean I think they'll be a quality team you know maybe I mean five and five is not great maybe they will in fact not even be a top four seed that would be a disappointment if they're not a top four seed uh, certainly and they're not on pace to do that so far as I'd say you know six or so 
for the Wizards? Yeah, I was between a five and a six. And again, it's defining success. But yeah, you're right. If they if they don't get a top four seed, especially considering, you know, what ended up happening last year, I think that and the fact that the East doesn't look, you know, at the top to be as strong as it was last year, including Cleveland really stumbling out of the blocks. And so they had an opportunity to do something more similar to what Boston has done. And and also what's an element of that in terms of their their seeding that's time to panic is that they've lost these games that they absolutely should have won. You know, the Suns, even though they've looked better since firing Earl Watson, they've come back to earth a little bit since then. The Mavericks had only won one game this year prior to that. The Lakers have, you know, I think that was the best the Lakers have looked all year from from what I can recall. So that's bad. You don't want any team's best game, the team, the game they look best to be against you if you think you're that good a team. All right, we still have time to get to our last time to panic team. But first, I'm going to tell you how to tell the time in a stylish way with movement watches. MVMT.com slash Catspace is your URL to get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns on one of the best holiday gifts that I can recommend. All of that gift giving anxiety gone with the press of a button because this beautiful styled minimalism starts at only $95. Time was, at least in my opinion, you had to spend four or five hundred dollars to get a watch that really you're going to be proud to have. And with movement watches, that's no longer the case because by selling online, they're able to cut out the middleman and retail markup. A lot of people in my orbit, my mom, for example, has gotten movement watches as gifts, even for the women in your life or the guy in your life it's a great way to get them a christmas present that they're going to enjoy and i always think that people don't really buy as many watches anymore because you've got a cell phone you think all right i can use that to tell the time so people don't buy watches for themselves but a great gift is something that someone's going to appreciate and use but that they wouldn't feel like they would get for themselves so once again the way to get started with them mvmt.com movement.com slash cap space that gets you that 15 percent off today lets them know to uh, that you came from us mvmt.com slash cap space is that url again join the movement so the miami heat are five and five they had a very nice win over the la clippers in which they surged out to a huge lead and were able to hold on for dear life late then had a loss to golden state in which i was very impressed by their defense and some of the tenacity that they showed but as many of these kind of middling eastern conference offenses will have against golden state when they're locked in on their switching they just weren't really able to create much of an opening and and they only really have one creator off the bounce with dn waiters unavailable due to the birth of his child and i guess the real reason for concern right now is their offense exactly and i expect their defense to end up better than 14th especially because they missed us on Whiteside for five games worth noting that they went two and three in those games but their losses were to boston san antonio minnesota all games i would not have expected them to to win they would have had a chance but it would have expected them to win without him but the 23rd in offense is a is a big problem and they've been so with Goran and Dragic on the floor they've scored 101.3 points per possessions which is not great without him they're actually have a positive net rating but they have a 94 offensive rating they're not scoring at all and there isn't a ton having waiters you know moving guys around in the rotation and things like that will help I'm not saying it will but you have to score more reliably in order to win those games because you, you know, the the idea of kind of like what Memphis did for years where they would 
win close, and then sometimes they would get blown out. You have to be really, really good to do that enough and actually make the playoffs. And I think that was part of what cost them last year. And there are some warning signs that they're not they're not so much better than they were last year, even though they were only a game away, to make me feel comfortable about where they are. Yeah, the hope was that a little better health, more internal improvement, the fact that they just look better over the second half of the season, that that could sustain. And I really was a believer in this team. I picked them for 47 wins. The offense currently ranked 22nd. They were only 17th a year ago. They did lead the league, as Albert Namad noted, in drives per game. Although, oddly enough, we're right down near the bottom of the league in getting to the foul line. But a lot of driving, kicking, and they probably shot it unsustainably well from downtown last year with guys like Tyler Johnson, Waiters, Dragic, all having perhaps career years. And this season, they're still getting up plenty of threes, but that's dropped to 35% now, which is 20th in the NBA. And they're also getting a fair number of shots at the rim and converting those. Okay, I do think they white side is really more important to them offensively as long as they don't try to throw it to him in the post of course um and they're not taking that many mid-rangers the other big problem they have though is turnovers and that is really an artifact of just not having quite enough creators josh richardson we saw although he played a wonderful defensive game against golden state was just kicking the ball all over the gym uh and a lot of the same guys justice winslow is being asked to to do too much right now so i think the offense could get a little bit better um especially because Whiteside has missed time but really i think where they're gonna have to kill it is on defense where they ranked fifth a year ago they are 16th this season yeah i mean they're gonna have to really kick in there and having Whiteside will will absolutely help because he also pushes other guys down in the rotation and Whiteside, while he's definitely imperfect defensively and you and i have talked about that particularly in the playoff series generally speaking opponents don't shift their whole strategy based on on one guy you know they're not definitely not going to change the rotations but they really won't shift that much and so there'll be certain matchups where he'll do well and certain ones like against the Warriors where he'll struggle and I think the the other issue which is more relevant for Miami than maybe I would say for Washington is just that the bottom of the east right now looks better than we thought it would you know the the Sixers have had a a better stretch recently the Pistons had a win tonight over the Pacers when they look good and the Pacers still have logged you know they have five wins the magic are seven and four and so if if it's going to take 43 instead of taking 37 that's much much more difficult for miami to handle yeah i mean if you had to just think about it now if you're going to make some revised predictions you know detroit is now eight and three amazingly uh orlando is still at seven and four the knicks six and five after losing tonight uh so you know i think they still and and the heat are still right now in eighth place although they've got cleveland and charlotte below them and milwaukee all teams that you think are going to start playing better so they also have those teams behind them that are going to be threats and so yeah i mean i i think if you say that philly is for real that philly might be better than them and that you know philly's six and four and the heat are five and five you know or i'm sorry five and six so not a huge i had a really small font on my computer for some reason there uh you know i still like them better than the knicks but i think you're correct that especially with detroit orlando and philly looking much better and then some of these teams below them have got to start playing better as well it it will be a little bit more of a dogfight than we anticipated So I guess my rating for them, they just, 
if they could just get a little bit better on both ends i think they'll be in there to make the playoffs but if you like me were someone who's predicting them to be a top four seed in the conference your panic meters with all the factors that i mentioned your panic meters got to be pretty high you know maybe like an eight if you're someone who just said ah you know they'll be making the playoffs you know then maybe your panic meter is like a four i'm right between those at a six i think that they can make it in you know as long as they play well they can do it i haven't really gone through their schedule yet to get the ebbs and flows of it it's it's so early that you know th- you think the remaining 71 games in their case are will, will largely balance that that kind of stuff out and they do need to get guys back you know waiters is missed time Whiteside is missed time and those guys are both extremely important for what they do and miami is a deeper team than most but they've also dealt with more i would say well i actually you think about orlando they've been dealing with alfred payton being out and then dj augustine being out and it's an even year so that or an odd year so that's even more devastating but i, I think that <laughs> miami they have the fundamentals like i have a reason to believe that they will be better than they are but i don't have as much confidence in that as i do in like let's say milwaukee especially because milwaukee just added a piece that's going to make them better too yeah okay let's uh hit up a little bit of news here the celtics uh, despite beating the lakers tonight with a couple of potentially significant injuries one is al horford now in the concussion protocol he did miss that game against the lakers which they're able to win Uh, anyway uh he started suffering symptoms early in the day on wednesday after not having any but he did get clocked during that win over the hawks on monday and you'll recall that horford missed significant time last year as well with a concussion i think it was over two weeks and actually gave an interview about like kind of how miserable he was during that period so it appears that he may be a little bit more susceptible now to these sorts of injuries and if you recall last year obviously a different team they really struggled in his absence and i expect that once they go up against some good competition that they are going to miss him a ton uh, especially on offense uh, because at backup big man you're down to Baines who is an okay stopgap but then you've got uh Daniel Tice behind him or or uh, Gershon Yavasele really not much in the way of established NBA bigs and considering that Boston has already struggled offensively especially with Horford off the floor you have to wonder whether they're going to be able to maintain this pace the good news for them is they banked quite a few wins already yeah they banked quite a few wins which is important and they have a pretty tough stretch in terms of opponents though a lot of the games the hardest games are at the garden they play charlotte on friday toronto on sunday then at brooklyn and they host the warriors a week from today a week from thursday and so we don't know how long horford's going to be in the protocol the hope is it's going to be really short but losing one of your best players and somebody who really helps make their offense hum in particular i mean we saw that in the game we did for the twitter nba show against oklahoma city where in that second half Horford was just a, a key piece of what made all of that function and none of their other bigs provide all of the different elements that he can bring so th- I'm not worried about where they're going to go I'm a little bit worried that this susceptibility as you mentioned that you know you always want to be cautious especially when a guy's in the concussion protocol again that not this time but if it happens again at a time that is less convenient that that could be an issue yeah, and I think we've seen that a lot of these concussion protocol, the, the NBA's concussion protocol seems pretty stringent at this point, and it really doesn't seem like the type of thing you can get over in a day or two. I mean, there really are steps that kind of take, you have to do something, and then you wait a day, and you do something else, and you wait a day, and you do something else. So it's really, it could be, hopefully it's not that many games. Uh, Jason Tatum also was forced to leave the game against the Lakers with a sore right ankle. Doesn't recall exactly when the injury occurred, a 
apparently, but he left it in a walking boot. We'll have an MRI tomorrow. So they're going to miss him as well. They're starting to run out of bodies on the wing, even for perhaps the league's deepest team on the wing, maybe behind Golden State. Uh, what else do we have in terms of news here, Danny? So there's Luol Deng, who signed a huge contract with the Lakers, of course, in 2016, is unhappy that he has been basically cast aside after starting opening night and then basically not playing much ever since then. The problem with that is the nature of buyouts in the current NBA system. So they of of course the Lakers would love to trade him there just aren't that many worse contracts in the league but if you buy a player out that money is locked in on your books there's nothing you can do and the Lakers value flexibility they don't know exactly where they're going this summer but they know they want to use space and so unless he leaves just a ton of money on the table I think he's just going to have to grin and bear it yeah because the issue is once you wave a guy or stretch him and buy him out there's no way to get him off your books completely and the lakers plan really of getting two max guys next year depends on getting him off the books completely and so if they they certainly are not going to agree to just about any solution that leaves permanent money on their books going forward uh, and dang of course with that four year 72 million dollar deal that that is two years to go after this one would have no incentive to do that i'm sure he wants to go somewhere and play but the fact is it's just unless the lakers are willing to give up significant draft pick compensation right now to get rid of him i don't see any path for him to get to another team unless it's you know for an equally bad contract you know maybe you know who actually i think he could really help would be the wizards uh but would the wizards be willing to give up something to trade back yan mahimi to the lakers who makes a little bit less uh because at least dang can play i don't see it would have to be pretty significant significant for the Lakers though because Mahimi probably has even less of a chance of helping that than Dang. I was talked to a few people in the Heat organization about you know whether they think Dang can still play or not and they said yeah you know just he was successful for them at the four and in fact that he hasn't been able to play the four at all and really hasn't gotten any kind of a chance to play at all this year I mean he didn't just completely forget how to play uh even if he does get older. So I still think he could be a rotation guy on the right team playing in the right role, even if he will be, of course, quite overpaid. The other one that I thought of like that is Miles Plumley, with the idea being that Miles Plumley is basically dead or dead-esque money. And so he costs, then costs, I think it's like $5 million more per season. And at that price for the Hawks, I mean, he could, he could help them. And they, that might not be a deal that they want to do right away. But let's say they do realize in the summer that they're going to need to clear this money it's a lot easier to clear 12 million a year than it is to clear 17 in philly jared bayless out now with another wrist injury indefinitely that he has swelling in his left wrist after he bruised it in friday's win over indiana and he's supposed to be reevaluated on saturday uh dario Saric starting in his stead and has played well as the sixers have taken off uh dj augustin as you mentioned still out with that hamstring issue although the magic beat the knicks tonight Kristaps porzingis saying that he has bursitis in his right elbow and might need a procedure after the season uh and that whenever he hits it it just swells up and he can't stretch his arm out this is one to maybe watch a little bit danny because if the knicks fall out of it you could see them shutting him down and then them really getting to be pretty tanktastic pretty quickly if in fact a procedure is required 
we'll see though whether Chris Daps is going to want to do that with the potential extension negotiations on the horizon but you wouldn't think that an elbow injury would be something that would affect things too much there I wouldn't expect it to but yeah you're right for for that purposes and again I, I think we're going to talk about this a lot this is the last year before lottery reform and I think certain teams are going to see that as when you're out you're out and hopefully you know the Knicks have had these wonderful comeback wins the last two games that they're not thinking about that for a long time but if they do this could rear its head in Memphis Wayne Selden with that quad injury that's had him out since early in October now has been upgraded to at least being day-to-day but with as much time as he's missed he's got a while to go meanwhile another quad injury Kawhi Leonard Greg Popovich with some comments a few days ago saying that his rehab has been more difficult than anticipated and he's making progress but it's very slow and that he even compared it to being slower than Tony Parker's rehab which uh that's not good when Tony Parker like had a complete rupture of a tendon there um Danilo Gallinari did not play on Tuesday against the Spurs with a strained left glute and he might be back relatively soon, but has missed a couple of games here and doesn't look like he was having trouble walking when he initially injured it on Sunday. And uh, what else we got here? Sabonis, uh, Domitas Sabonis missed tonight's game, which I lost against the Pistons with a calf. He'll, he'll, hopefully he'll be back for the next game, but we don't know. He's still day to day. And Derek White, who was drafted out of Colorado by the Spurs and had some nice moments in Summer League, is dealing with a broken right wrist. So even though he hasn't been playing for the big squad, he will not be playing for the big squad for a while yeah and white really the thought was that 23 although he had had a circuitous path to the league starting at a small college before transferring to Colorado at 23 the hope was maybe on a Spurs team that was limited at point guard with Parker out that he could contribute but Greg Popovich saying basically no like he's not in the rotation not even thinking about being in the rotation early on not great when you draft a 23 year old and now if he's going to miss some developmental time that that is not fantastic. Uh, with the Hornets, Nick Batum about a week away could play as early as November 15th per their beat writer Rick Bonnell. And then Michael Kidd Gilchrist has missed a number of games with the personal absence, but he is set now to return on Friday. In Chicago, Fred Hoiberg says that newly elevated starter at the three, David Nwaba, a defensive specialist, now out two to four weeks with a, a pretty bad sprained ankle. So Paul Zipser will return to the starting lineup there and then the Knicks are apparently trying to trade Mindaugas Mindaugas Kuzminskis with Joakim Noah potentially returning and Kuzminskis for whatever reason has been totally out of the rotation I thought he played okay at times last year shot it better than expected so I'm not gonna say that he can't help a team there might be some teams that would consider trying to bring him in he's an older guy making what was the room exception last year about three million dollars this season and he's he's already in his mid-20s yeah I'd like to see him get an opportunity I mean it it is ridiculous how many talented bigs the Knicks have that are are marginalized and remember they're still they still are missing Noah who shouldn't play over those guys but you never know because he's as you said coming back from the suspension yeah Kuzminskis is pretty limited defensively but you know I think he could help a team like the Pelicans or even maybe the Thunder um those type of teams that just could use another guy who can shoot a little bit run the floor and transition bring some energy uh, teams that are a little bit weak off the bench though it's always difficult of course to say all right we would uh they would he would have to move probably with the knicks not having the roster space either get traded for a guy with a non-guaranteed contract or the team to which you'd be traded would have to waive that guy 
All right, we're done here? Well, I'll promote a couple of things. So I did a Warriors Watch podcast on Warriors Wolves. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that and the bench play without Kevin Durant and a bunch of other stuff, I talked about it with Adam Lordson. I just released Real Jam Radio with Matt Moore of CBS Sports. It was fun. We talked about a lot of different stuff, the Bledsoe trade, uh, the Cavs, all their stuff. And then you can still read my piece on the Bledsoe trade at the Sporting News analysis at, at The Athletic for the for uh, the Warriors game and yeah and you can buy my book it still exists 100 things warriors fans should know and do before they die that is out in bookstores and online now so you can check it out and we will be doing the twitter nba show on thursday night really great slate of games i mean Cavs rocket should be an offensive display at the very minimum and then thunder nuggets two teams that we've enjoyed talking about and watching this year and the very first appearance of the denver nuggets on the twitter nba show yeah i will see you in a little over 12 hours danny we're recording this one pretty late tonight don't forget about our our sponsors today movement watches mvmt.com slash cap space gets you 15 percent off your purchase there and we will talk to y'all tomorrow night wrap up the week with uh, talking about tomorrow night's games Fall is my favorite time of year because there's always a game to watch with the NBA season back started. And with your smartphone, you'll always have access to the latest scores and highlights. If you switch to Net10 Wireless now and get double data for life on unlimited plans starting as low as $35, visit net10wireless.com, N-E-T-1-0-wireless.com to reference terms and restrictions of service and get more information on double data for life. It's a game changer. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.